And we're in a series of, uh, of uh, messages called, I Don't Wanna. And we're talking about responsibility and the opportunities that we have, or the not opportunities that we have with responsibility and irresponsibility. And so for the last two weeks, Pastor Stephanie kicked us off with the first week, which was all about how irresponsibility becomes somebody else's responsibility. And we all know this, right? These are kind of standard life lessons that we've experienced or seen at some point. It's like the fundamentals, those principles that life runs on. And maybe it doesn't go exactly like this 100% of the time, but like 99% of the time, you can rely on the fact that if somebody else doesn't load the dishwasher, it's going to be your thing to do, or if somebody else doesn't shovel the driveway, it's going to be your thing to do. And then the second week, she talked about the fact that we reap what we sow, and that is also one of those things where you just know that what you put out into the world, what you invest your time and your energy and your money into, those are the sorts of things that you're going to get back. And she talked about how there's a time frame for that, right, where Sometimes it looks like folks aren't getting what they deserve in the short term. Like you can cut corners and you can get away with certain things, but in the long run, you will reap what you sow. And so those are some of the things that we talked about with responsibility for the first two weeks. So here in this third week, I'm going to talk about a different segment of the responsibility pie Maybe not the best analogy, but sure. We'll, we'll eat a slice of pie for today. And this slice of pie I will set up with a little story about uh, when the expectations that I had for what parenthood was like were vastly different than what it actually was. Maybe not as vastly different as some of those Valentine's cards, but still a little bit different. And how that didn't feel totally fair, necessarily. And so... We had our, we've got four kids, if, if you haven't been here before, my wife and I have four kids, and at one point we just had one child, and it was great, and it was glorious, and we slept, and he, he scaled up with us. If you didn't know this about children, the first one, if you're lucky, it kind of scales with you. At first they like just lay there, and they don't do a whole lot, and then they don't they don't have teeth and you don't have to feed them real food and worry that like there are things to worry about but there's sort of a scalability right and they get to six months old and they're they're starting to giggle and they're starting to interact and you're reading books with them and then they get to a year and they're starting to babble a little bit and there's just all kinds of fun stuff and you've kind of figured out your life and there's a sleep schedule again if you're lucky and all of it seems to be working out so you're like yeah let's let's do this again so 21 months later Second child is born, he's great, he's glorious, he's wonderful, his name's Gabriel, and we get through the first two months or so of having Gabriel around, and you know that it's going to be hard, because you've been through it once before, and you're like, well, this is like 100% harder, theoretically, and there's going to be, like, we're going to lose more sleep, because there's still this child who has lots of demands and needs, but we also have this other one who we have to be up in the middle of the night with, and so sometimes we all felt at various points like our eldest child felt in this picture. We had to get out the door for swimming, and he was not feeling it. And he was doing that on the outside, and maybe we were doing it on the inside. And then there's Gabriel, who my wife reminded me, Gabriel is the funniest person in our family for things like this. Because there's Tristan just screaming his little head off in this moment, and then there's Gabriel like, what? Why? (laughs) Why was I born into this family? but you kind of expect this a little bit for the first, or at least I did, for the first couple of months. And then you get to six months, and tiny little Gabriel has grown up a little bit, and this next picture shows him in his happiest state. He wakes up in the morning. He's just happy after his nap. Look at those little eyes. 
and those little cheeks, and he's just so happy. But underneath all of this, there's the part where we just hadn't quite gotten it figured out. I hadn't quite gotten things figured out again of, like, how do you balance work against the two kids and against, like, the need for self-care and all of that. And so this next slide, next, I need to point at the TV. I was reminded of this last week for those folks online. Sorry, folks online. I'm going to do better. So on, on this slide is, is approximately how I felt about my wife's and my relationship. Ships passing in the night waving at each other as we were trading off the child at 3 a.m. And it was just, like, it wasn't anything bad or even particularly hard, because what you're going to tell me here is, like, Devin, that's your, that's your story about missed expectations or, like, unfairness? Like, this is the one that I had for today, and I'm sure all of you have some sort of story that is much more harrowing and much darker than this, where you have had some situation that feels very unfair, where... You, and there's this other video that we've shown here at Infused before, where you got on an escalator, and it's kind of a funny video, but it's also kind of poignant, where you get onto this escalator, and you're headed up the escalator, and it stops in the middle, and the video in, like, he's, he's on this escalator, it stops, and he starts yelling, hey, hey, can anybody get me off this thing? And then it pans, and then it cuts to hours later, and he's still sitting on this escalator, just waiting for somebody to come get him. And we know what the solution is in that case. But for some of us, you're maybe in a situation or you have been in a situation where the next step isn't clear, where maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're like, you want a child, or you're waiting for the next one and it just, it isn't coming yet. And you are wondering what's the next step? What could possibly be next here? And you don't know what the next thing is. You don't know when somebody's gonna start the escalator or maybe you were at work and you've got your commission plan lined up for the next three months, you know which customers are gonna come in and they don't come in and something changes the next month and things just aren't right the next month and it's just a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. Or a relationship with a friend changes and they suddenly have a whole bunch of different interests and a different friend group and you don't know what the next step is there because they're not responding to your texts anymore. And we've all been through moments like that. And there are a bunch of stories in the Bible that we could tell that kind of match this experience that we've all had. And if you look at Jesus' life, there are many experiences that he had that were kind of along this line too. Like he literally went to his hometown, read a scroll that said, I'm the Messiah, and they ran him out of town and tried to throw him off a cliff. That was a moment where you, th you would think that he was on an escalator up towards, oh, we're so glad you've been wonderful, because you can imagine, like, Jesus must have been wonderful as a child and a young adult, but they were just really upset by him claiming that level of authority over all of them. Like, who are you? Who are you? And so one of the stories that he told is about responsibility. And if you've been around church before, if you've heard this story, it's the parable of the five talents or the ten talents. There's a bunch of different ways to tell it. Um, pay attention on, on this time around because a lot of times the, the layer, because there's lots of layers to Jesus' parables, the layer is that it's about money. It's about what we do with our money and how we grow it. And then inevitably the thing is like, if you grow it, then you can give more, et cetera, et cetera. This time we're going to take the layer that's about responsibility. And that applies to all of us. And so we're just going to jump into it. So the first part of the story goes like this. For 
It is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves, and some, some translations read servants, or just like the people who are with this person who's in charge of a property, um, and entrusted his property to them. So there was a level of, I've got all of this, I'm going to go away, and it's up to you guys what to do with it. And so to one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And to put it in context, a talent, let's, I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get this right. They estimate that a talent was worth about what you would get as 20 years as a day laborer. So if you can imagine that in today's terms, let's say you make $35,000 a year as a day laborer and you work for 20 years, you're going to make $700,000. And so one guy got $700,000, one guy got $1.4 million, and another guy got $3.5 million according to his ability. And if we look at it from like American standards or capitalist standards, you can see this as like a mark on, well, this guy's worth more and this guy's worth a little bit less and this guy's worth at the bottom. But that's looking at it from our lens. If you look at it from the kingdom lens, it wouldn't be fair, for example, to give, to put a fourth grader in calculus class. That just wouldn't be fair. And so the thing that you want to pay attention to here is each according to his ability. And so the man who had received five bags, uh, let's see, five bags of gold, went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Anybody who wants to yell at me when I'm not pointing at the TV, please do. <laughs> you folks online, you could type angrily, but it, it's not going to get through, unfortunately, uh, just after the service. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. So if you put this in context, 3.5 to $7 million, 1.4 to two. $0.8 million. They did pretty good, right? They put the time and the energy uh, and, and invested it. And whatever they did, whether they were selling camels or mining ores or whatever you did back in biblical times to turn some money into more money, it worked. And so you imagine that the, the master, when he comes back, is going to be happy with what they did. But pay attention to what this last guy does. So but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And at this point, you can imagine Jesus' audience going, ooh. Let's all do that together. Ooh. So, so you can imagine, like, these guys have achieved, these first two guys have achieved quite a bit with the money. And he went and hid it in the ground. And so what happens when somebody's irresponsible like that? Because you can look at it from that lens, too, of like, I'd, maybe he didn't know what to do, or maybe his abilities were less, but he also had a choice, right? He could have gone out and tried to make at least some more. Maybe he wouldn't have doubled it. Maybe he could have done a little bit more, but he wasn't um, totally responsible with this. So let's look at what happens next. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And the same thing with the guy who had two bags. And you can imagine how this goes. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And looking at this, you can see that what the master focused on is a couple of things. One is that, that's awesome. You did great. I'm really excited that you were able to, to step up to the level of what I entrusted you with. 
And because you have been faithful with a few things, and clearly you get a sense of the scale that the master is working with, right? Like this, this small $3.5 million, you've been faithful with that. I'll put you in charge of many things and come and share your master's happiness. And with stories like this, it gives you a glimpse into what Jesus is saying God's character is like. Because that's typically, like if you look at the story, typically that's how you're going to read it, right? That God is the master and has given each of us different abilities. Um, that's the joy of parables. You can put yourself in different places. Imagine if you were this person, how would you respond? If you were this person, how you would respond? And he wants us to come and share in his happiness. And that's not what he didn't focus on. Come and share my jacuzzi. Come and share in my large ranch estates. Come and share in my, come and get your house with multiple pools. He focused on come and share your master's happiness. And that, I think, is more of a, a mark of what abundance is all about than anything else. Because when you invest in God's kingdom, you're not necessarily going to get return in a form of financial return, right? Most often, like Jesus was pretty clear that it's not going to come that way. And if you look at it purely from um, worldly standards, there's a version called the health and, uh, health and wealth, sort of the prosperity gospel. That is absolutely not what Jesus said. And this kind of backs that up, is that come and share your master's happiness, not your master's wealth. So moving on, we got to wonder what happens to this third servant, right? So let's see what the Bible said about that. Uh, what's on this? What, did, what does it say? Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah. I knew that you were hard. Received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And so what is the master going to say, right? It seems pretty clear, but let's see what the Bible has to say about it. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So he's at least returning what he had and maybe is wiping the dirt off of it and like flicking the worms off. But here it is. Here it is. I've, I've, I got you at least what you had before. I didn't lose any money, right? And let's see what the, I think we're, okay, there we go. But his master replied, you weren't as good and faithful, but if you say sorry and pray about it, it'll be just fine which is obviously what the Bible says. If you've been through the story before, you know that it's not what it actually says. But sometimes we think as Christians that maybe this is the way that we're going to get through the things that we've gotten ourselves into, that we've made some mistakes, we've, we've cut some corners, we have chosen some things that weren't really going to be good for us. But if we think we pray about it and we just say sorry, that we're not going to have to experience the, the disappointing things that come along with those choices. But that is not the case, right? We can't pray our way out of what we've behaved our way into. And so this is a little bit of an aside, but very on the nose for what we're talking about today, because let's imagine you get pulled over, right? And the cops coming up to your car, you've got your license and your registration. What is your go-to prayer in that moment, if you, if you have a prayer for that moment? Is it, Lord, please let me get off with just a warning? Maybe. Maybe we've done that. Or, Lord, please help me get to my destination on time. Make this not take so long. Or is it, I messed up and I need to do something a little bit different next time around. Regardless of whether you agree with the speed limit there, regardless of whether you agree with traffic laws, I hope you agree with traffic laws. Um, but that was something that was put in place to keep other people and yourself safe. And so focusing on what your responsibility is in that moment and saying, I'm sorry, 
I want to take responsibility for what I did. And asking God to help you through that might be a more healthy response than, I just want to get out of the situation that I've behaved my way into. And so if we look at what happens actually next, let's see what, let's see what it said. Oh, no, not this. It's not this. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not get scattered seed. What else does he say? He says, well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And that's pretty clear, right? If, if you had given somebody money and said, act as if I would with it, grow this, do good things with it, and they came back with, I didn't do anything, this would be a pretty natural response, right? Just at least take it to the bank and go get the 1% or the 2% or the 0.5% that you get on your checking. And for $700,000, that would be at least okay. That would be some money. But he came back with a bag and just the same thing. And next time um, we have an opportunity like this, just think about that as you're planning for how you're going to use the gifts that you've been given. But this next set of verses is a little bit harder. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Which sounds great for the folks who have things, right? This is one that I've personally struggled with over the years because it's like, hey, that, that does sound pretty hard. That does sound like a master who, who sows where he hasn't planted, who, who reaps what isn't his. He's just giving to the people who have more. And then this next verse, there's some preachers who take this, who are very excited about this, for whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we don't know if this necessarily is like a description of hell or what exactly it is. It's, not, it's, it's one of Jesus' parables, right? So it isn't like a definitive, this is exactly one-to-one with reality. This is a, just a poetic description of what some of the principles of life run on. And so you can imagine a life where you've been irresponsible. Maybe you've drank too much. Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you've lost friends because you just didn't take the time to to build relationships with folks. Maybe you've moved a lot. Not saying that moving a lot is a bad thing, but like, let's say you built up all these things that have left you kind of alone and maybe broke and maybe without friends. That might feel a little bit like this. And that is part of what I think Jesus is saying here. And so this next picture just reminds us that uh, life is not fair. Imagine that you had a property line that ran like this. Not that anyone has a property line that runs like this, but imagine your property line ran along there, and you were the person with this part of the field you would be pretty happy about this year. And the, the person with this part of the field, you would hope that you got whatever crop insurance you needed to get, right? But if you were in that situation, you would just feel like that's unfair. And I think all of us have situations where we've been in spots like that, where you can see that somebody else had just the easiest ride possible. They had all of the things going for them. They had maybe the best school, the best education. They had a family that was able to support them. Generational wealth is a thing, right? And uh, people who know how to get folks through college and even, like, think about which job you want to get. Or just, like, a healthy home environment and a great family. 
and you can think about all of the ways that you might not have what somebody else has. And regardless of whether your life looks like a five bags of gold on the outside life, I'm willing to bet that all of us have a spot where it feels like the one bag of gold, where you got shorted on something. And it's not good, right? It, it does not, there's no posit, amount of positive thinking that, you, that can get you out of that situation. And so what do you do about it? What, does, what, what are the options here? So I think what the Bible's saying in this story is that we can take, we can take responsibility for our response. And there's a great story by a guy uh, called Viktor Frankl, and he um, was an author and was writing a book before he got uh, picked up in Nazi Germany for being a Jew and got put in a concentration camp. And it's called Man's Search for Meaning. And he lost that he had like hidden the manuscript of this book inside of his sweater, and then that got burned, and so he lost all of his manuscripts. He made it out, not his wife, not his children, he made it out and moved to America and was able to reconstruct the whole manuscript of this book from scratch because he had lived this really terrible, terrible experience where he was left with only one thing in life, and that was his ability to choose how to respond to the situation that he was in. And what that did for him on the inside, it couldn't change the outside situation, really, but it could change his, his peace, his hope, his joy, and the things that we ultimately, those are the only things that we have control about. And so as you're looking at your life and as you're looking at what we can do when we're faced with the challenges and the unfairnesses of life, I encourage you to remember the, the escalator picture of getting stopped halfway up and maybe you have a, a half chuckle about it, but then you also remember that, yeah, things are unfair and maybe I don't know what the next step is. And, like, maybe it's foggy or something. Like, come up with some sort of mental picture where you just don't know what that next step is. And it is hard. And it's totally okay to acknowledge that and not have to be like, oh, well, you just need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and everything's going to be okay. Because that's not, that's not helpful all the time. There's only so much positive energy in coffee or whatever your, your uh, legal stimulant of choice is that'll get you through that sort of thing. But what will get you through is remembering that we have choices. And I've used this scripture very recently, so if you've been here, I would say forgive me, but don't forgive me because this is a great piece of scripture that is a good reminder for what Jesus came to bring all of us and why there's hope in the gospel in the hardest of times and in the best of times. Whether you've got the, the five bags of gold life or whether you've really, like, regardless of how the rest of your life is going, you're really focused on that situation and all of us have it where you've got that one bag of gold and you just don't know how to invest it and what to do next. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I challenge all of you this next week. You've, you've had homework all the previous two weeks of this sermon series, and if you, if you haven't gotten the homework, you can go back and pick up some extra credit stuff by watching Pastor Stephanie last two weeks. They're pretty simple pieces of homework. But your homework for this week is to try to open up a little bit of space between whatever's happening outside of you, whether your child's yelling for you to do whatever the latest 
life-threatening thing is, or like life-ending thing it is to fix that in that moment, or things have gone in a much more dire way, like you've, your tires blown out on the highway, or your finances changed, or any of those other things that I said before. Try to open up a little bit of space between what happens and what your response is to that, and it will help you. It'll give you at least the opportunity to choose. And if you're a Jesus follower, there's help in that moment too. And pick a prayer. Pick any sort of prayer that'll help you rely on God just a little bit more than you would have before you did. This is something that I sometimes come back to practicing and sometimes don't. It does help when you do it. And I hope that all of you can take a moment. And just imagine a world where all of your neighbors, all of your friends, your boss, your coworkers took responsibility where they had this thing happen, like they've got this responsibility that, that they know is their whatever it is and things changed, but they, they owned it and they changed what they were going to do in response. And especially when we make mistakes, this is what we really want for other people to do, right? To give us grace, to give us a moment, to give us a breath or a pause to say, I apologize for what I did, or have them ask you, can you tell me what happened? Something like that. Um, But imagine if all of us did that this next week. Imagine if more and more people in your life were able to respond in this way, how much different it would be. So remember your homework. Remember, we are responsible for our responses, and take that moment to pause, especially when your first impulse is to say, I don't want to if you, think, if you find yourself thinking that, that's the moment where you can say, but wait, I need to take just a moment there. Um, so before the band comes back up here and closes us with a song, I'm going to close us in prayer. But I, I hope you focus on some of the words that they have in this next song. And they're, the, the ones that speak to me the most are, fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Because that's what's going to make the difference for all of us. So I'll close us in prayer. God, thank you for being here with us today. We know that whatever's going on in our lives, whatever the ups or the downs are, the unevennesses that we all experience with our personal situations, as we look at others and try not to be envious and we, and we hope that things are going to go better for us, help us to remember that you're there for us in those moments when we can choose what we do to respond. We pray that you fill us with strength this week, with hope. Pray that we look to others, both for that strength and that hope, but also to pour into their lives as well and to offer them that strength and that hope as well. In your name we pray, amen.